Foreign Relations Committee will come to order, and this morning we will continue our oversight efforts with regard to the 2017 Trafficking in Persons Report. I want to thank Senator Cardin and members of the committee for their leadership and engagement in combating this affront to human dignity and the rule of law. This committee has conducted extensive oversight on this issue. We have instituted annual briefings for members of the committee with the Office of Trafficking and Persons Ambassador and regional bureaus at the State Department prior to the release of the annual Trafficking in Persons report. We ask every nominee before this committee to commit to help lead the fight against modern slavery. This oversight has been noted at the State Department and in our embassies. We appreciate that the Deputy Secretary Deputy Secretary of State volunteered to lead the administration's testimony today. Uh, uh, the Secretary spent about 45 minutes with Senator Cardin and I before this meeting, and we thank him very much for his openness and the way that he's serving, and we look forward to having an outstanding relationship with him. We thank you for being here today. I know the, uh, the Secretary of State wanted to be here. He had an uh, unplanned trip to the Middle East, and we thank you for sitting in on his stead, but we thank you for the elevation in this, uh, of this issue at the State Department, and again, you being here. The deputy's attendance uh, demonstrates that the State Department's interest in the stability of this report after Ambassador Coppage finishes her assignment. Um, we also want to welcome Ambassador Susan Coppage, who agreed to remain in her post to ensure the continuity uh, with the 2017 report. We appreciate her leadership and service. Um, I have to say that uh, I think you've been outstanding. I think there are people around the world that have benefited greatly from your service. Certainly we have. And I cannot thank you enough uh, for your leadership, um, for your dedication to this issue, and I hope our paths cross many, many times in the future. We also appreciate the Secretary of State Tillerson and Ivanka Trump personally and passionately led the rollout of the 2017 report, flanked by tip heroes in a packed room. It was a great event, and I was glad to be there. I would like to begin by commending Ambassador Coppage at the State Department, the focus of this year's report on the responsibility of governments to criminalize human trafficking and hold offenders accountable. Human trafficking largely exploit the vulnerable for profit. Uh, there's no greater determinant than to make it uh, clear that perpetrators and those who collaborate with them will pay a heavy price for these crimes. This year's report contains specific elements that our country and other countries can use to prosecute the crime of modern slavery. I hope that in compiling this year's report, you will continue to highlight examples of prog progress in prosecution and scrutinize where corruption and lack of progress are failing victims of modern slavery. The 2015 report and how it was perceived did real damage uh, to this issue. And we're still recovering for that. Uh, we all need to continue to reinforce trust in the process of developing the report and tier rankings. We, for our part, are careful not to politicize the oversight process, and that remains important. I do believe that beginning last year and again this year, the State Department has taken the integrity of the report seriously, and we thank you very much for that. Uh, Senator Cardin and I were talking. There may be questions 
about some of the outcomes, but I think one of the things that absolutely uh, everyone feels is there was no politicization. Uh, there may have been differences in judgment, but uh, we appreciate the integrity with which this was put together. Finally, I'd like to thank Secretary Tillerson for announcing that at the Trafficking in Persons Report rollout that the State Department is proceeding with the $1.5 billion in modern slavery initiative that Senator Menendez and I first presented to this committee in 2015. This is a critical step in the effort to end modern slavery globally. To quote British Prime Minister Theresa May, victims will only find freedom if we cultivate a radically new global and coordinated approach to defeat this vile crime. Thank you both for being here, and I'll turn to my friend, Senator Cardin. Well, thank you, Mr. Chairman. But before I comment on today's uh, hearing on the Trafficking in Persons Report, let me just share with our colleagues that the Chairman and I have been very focused on trying to get the Russia sanction bill uh, passed in the United States House of Representatives. And I want to thank the Chairman. We've expressed as much flexibility as we possibly can to our colleagues in the House to deal with their uh, particular procedural issue. Uh, we don't think that's a problem, and we want to make sure that this bill is passed as quickly as possible in the House uh, and in the form that was, it passed the United States Senate. Now, I'm going to thank the Chairman for his cooperation. We have been working without any difference here uh, in trying to get this bill passed in the House. It passed by 98 to 2. I reminded Secretary Sullivan that in that bill is the requirement for review before any sanction relief is given. And I particularly mention that because of press reports concerning the compounds in New York and Maryland. And uh, I would consider that a, a really uh, a major affront to Congress if action was taken on that without working with the members of Congress. Let me thank you very much, Mr. Chairman, for this hearing. Uh, this hearing, uh, as we will review the, uh, the most recent trafficking in persons report, as you pointed out, this is one of the great moral challenges of our time. Uh, it is modern-day slavery. Just last week, uh, I was not present, but the, uh, another hat I wear is the ranking member of the Helsinki Commission. Uh, we had our annual meeting of the OSCE Parliamentary Assembly in Minsk, uh, Belarus, and our delegation was very much actively engaged on this issue of trafficking. The U.S. leadership on this globally has made a huge difference. It was the leadership of the United States Congress and the United States government that has raised this issue to the international community, making it clear we will not tolerate trafficking in persons and that we will take all necessary steps to end this tragedy. It, uh, it distorts labor markets, it destroys people, erodes communities, it undermines stability and rule of law, and it's fueled by corruption, greed, and violence. It, we will continue, and our trafficking in persons report to me is the, is the gold standard for uh, what is used to have all countries do better. I mentioned previously when foreign guests come into my office, whether they're heads of state or foreign ministers, I have the trafficking in persons report in my office and will review that country's uh, um, need for additional progress in order to, to deal with this. So it was with great anticipation that we had this hearing and look forward to the uh, 2017 report. Uh, to Miskovich, I want to thank you for your extraordinary leadership on this issue. We know that you will be doing other things. And uh, I want to first and foremost acknowledge that 
The 2017 report uh, represents the professional dedication that we expect to see in the Trafficking in Persons report. And I'm very pleased with the manner in which this report was handled and the way that uh, decisions were made. It doesn't mean that I agree with all the decisions that were made. I think in regards to China, I applaud you. I think that was uh, absolutely the right decision, and I know that it came with some uh, political and diplomatic challenges, and uh, it, it was the right thing to do, and uh, it, I applaud you on it. I'm going to talk a little bit about Malaysia because I am concerned by what happened in Malaysia. Uh, it was upgraded to Tier 2. Now, that was the one of the major countries that we were concerned about, the manner in which it was handled in 2015, uh, because of the apparent connections between the decision made in the TIP report and the TPP negotiations that were taking place. And Senator Menendez was one of the, the principal leaders. He had legislation on this, et cetera. And it seemed to be a very political decision that was made in 2015. Malaysia is home to more than two million documented migrant laborers and millions of more undocumented laborers, many of whom continue to face debt bondage and forced labor. Yet Malaysia was only able to identify a little over 1,500 trafficking victims. That's all they could identify. Moreover, Malaysia has yet to prosecute any of the Malaysian officials for their involvement in the Rohingya smuggling rings and mass graves found uh, on the Malaysia-Thai border in 2015, an incredible tragedy in which there's been virtually no progress made in resolving uh, that issue. And during the 2017 reporting period, Malaysian authorities released 12 police officers suspected of trafficking. Again, raising questions as to the country's commitment. I know the numbers are higher on the number of cases that have been brought. But as far as concrete results, I haven't seen it, and I'd be interested as to why uh, the upgrade uh, uh, was, was, was made. Uh, I'm also happy that Secretary Sullivan is here because I am concerned as to how the reorganization will affect our, our ability to deal with trafficking issues. Uh, I know there is discussions being made in regards to the elimination of the uh, Bureau of Population, Refugee, and Migration, and some of those functions being handled by the Department of Homeland Security. I also know there's consideration the Consular Affairs Office being transferred to the Department of Homeland Security. I think in both of those cases, it would compromise not only the mission of the Department of State that I think is critically important, but how we deal with trafficking moving forward. So I look forward to the Secretary's testimony, and I look forward to our discussion today. Thank you very much. Uh, with that, our first witness is Deputy Secretary of State John Sullivan. We welcome you here. Our second witness today is Ambassador-at-Large to Monitor and Combat Human Trafficking, Susan Coppage. Uh, we're grateful that both of you are here and are doing the jobs that you are doing and have done. And if you'd take about five minutes to summarize, we would appreciate it. Uh, we look forward to questions after that, and please just proceed in the order introduced. Thank you. Uh, good morning. Thank you, Mr. Chairman, Senator Cardin, members of the committee. Uh, I'm honored to appear before you again today to discuss the important topic of the 2017 Trafficking in Persons Report, which the State Department released last month. Uh, I'm, I'm grateful for the opportunity to, uh, to testify about the report. The State Department is also grateful for the committee's leadership and input on this issue and on human rights and democracy more broadly. Individual liberty and the freedoms of religion, speech, press, assembly, and the right to petition the government are at the core of who we are as Americans. 
Secretary Tillerson and I share a personal commitment in this regard, and we're proud of the significant efforts across the Department of State to protect and promote individual freedom. Through hearings like this one and strong legislation backed by this committee, you've been consistent and tireless in fighting the insidious crime of human trafficking. I look forward to our continued collaboration on this in our broader efforts to defend the world's most vulnerable. I would also like to particularly to thank Ambassador-at-Large Susan Coppedge, who leads the State Department's Office to Monitor and Combat Trafficking in Persons, also known as the TIP Office. Susan and her team have done a remarkable job, not only in producing the detailed report that uh, has been released, but also through efforts to encourage foreign officials, NGO leaders, and others around the world to join us in this fight. At the public rollout of the report in June, Secretary Tillerson read a sobering line from the preamble of the Trafficking Victims Protection Act of 2000. Quote, as the 21st century begins, the degrading institution of slavery continues throughout the world. 17 years later, there are still more than an estimated 20 million victims of human trafficking. But the Secretary also encouraged us to join in a shared hope that the 21st century will be the last century of human trafficking. The TIP report is an instrument that will help us th to make that hope become a reality. It's not only a symbol of U.S. global leadership on combating human trafficking, but a diagnostic tool to assess government efforts across the three Ps, prosecuting traffickers, protecting and empowering victims, and preventing future trafficking crimes. Since the enactment of the TVPA in 2000 and the TIP report's first publication in 2001, the report has prompted foreign governments to enact comprehensive legislation, prosecute human traffickers, establish national action plans, implement anti-trafficking policies and programs that protect victims, and conduct prevention campaigns. The focus of this year's report is on government's responsibility to criminalize human trafficking, in all its forms, and to prosecute offenders. It also emphasizes the responsibility of governments to enforce anti-trafficking laws, to prevent the use of child soldiers, and to prosecute corrupt officials who choose to turn a blind eye. To combat human trafficking effectively, governments must also root out complicity and corruption by law enforcement and public officials. The report makes clear that many countries are taking this issue seriously. I'd like to emphasize some of the positive efforts countries have made in the past year that are discussed in the report. As Secretary Tillerson noted, Afghanistan serves as an example of progress. Last summer, President Ghani ordered an investigation into the institutionalized sexual abuse of children by security forces and promised punishment for perpetrators. In January of this year, the Afghan government enacted a new law to criminalize the practice of bacha bazi, a practice that exploits boys for, for social and sexual entertainment. We will continue to work with the Afghan government toward even greater progress this year as they build on these efforts to investigate, prosecute, and convict traffickers, including complicit government officials. Ukraine is another example. The country has been on the watch list for four years, but was upgraded to Tier 2 status this year because of its efforts to improve investigations of trafficking. This has led to the arrest and conviction of police officers, public officials, and others found to be complicit or willfully negligent in the trafficking of girls and boys under their care. 
Today, officials are on notice that complicity in trafficking leads to strict punishment in Ukraine. But unfortunately, some countries have backpedaled. This year's report reveals that China has not taken serious steps to end its own complicity in trafficking. Tens of thousands of North Korean citizens are working overseas as forced laborers, primarily in China and Russia. The North Korean regime profits financially, making hundreds of millions of dollars per year on the backs of their exploited citizens working abroad. Responsible nations cannot allow this. Because of China's lack of significant efforts to address and eliminate trafficking, China was downgraded to Tier 3. The report, the TIP report is one component of the State Department's year-round effort to combat human trafficking around the world. It informs our foreign assistance programming to develop anti-trafficking strategies for each region and to prioritize countries according to their need for assistance and their political will to make improvements. We use the analysis and recommendations as a roadmap to guide U.S. diplomacy on human trafficking so our ambassadors and officials at every level can engage with foreign counterparts to encourage renewed efforts in this fight. I commit to you today that I engage with foreign government, as I engage with foreign government officials, I will, like many of you, raise anti-trafficking concerns as well as broader human rights issues. All countries, including our own, including the United States, have more to do to fight to end modern slavery. I'm proud of the progress reflected in the 2017 TIP report, but there is much more work to do to make the 21st century the last for human trafficking. We're eager, eager to work with Congress to that end, and I look forward to your questions. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you so much. Ambassador? Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Push the button. Now you can hear me. Thank you, Mr. Chairman, Senator Cardin, and members of the committee. It is a real privilege to be here before you today on an issue to which we are all dedicated. I'm honored to join Deputy Secretary Sullivan, and I'm happy to answer questions on this year's TIP report. I also have to say that I'm very humbled by the kind words that have been spoken about me this morning, but the effort to produce this report is a State Department-wide effort. There are fabulous staff in the TIP office here, our embassy personnel around the world. None of this hard work could be done without them, and I'm the beneficiary of that hard work and dedication by the State Department employees. Hearings like this are very important to highlight the U.S. government's commitment to combat trafficking. And the TIP report is used not only by governments, but also by NGOs and civil society members, some of whom are here today and many of whom will be watching. This conversation is a valuable opportunity to discuss the report's analysis and how it can be used as an effective tool to help improve government responses around the world. I look forward to discussing the report with you. Well, thank you. I, uh, uh, again, thank you both for your testimony. I know there'll be numbers of written questions and some here today about some of the actual results. Um, I'd like to talk to you a little bit about just the bigger picture. I think for those people here in the audience, most of whom are interested in this issue and spent years on this issue, um, but they may be surprised at some of the things that were even cited in John's opening comments about what is happening around the world. And I just... Could you share with us, uh, maybe Susan, you most, since uh, Secretary Sullivan is new, but what are you seeing in trends right now around the world as it relates to this issue and, and countries and citizens, if you will, um, taking up the challenge of ending modern slavery and, and trafficking in persons? 
So since the report first um, was produced, many more countries have passed laws banning the practice of human trafficking. Many of those are in compliance with the international protocol known as the Palermo Standard, but we are still encouraging governments to criminalize all forms of trafficking. Um, some areas that were sometimes overlooked in laws in countries were labor trafficking or um, trafficking of, of juveniles under the age of 18 without requiring force, fraud, or coercion. So if someone is under 18, they cannot consent to engage in prostitution. They are sex trafficking victims, and we are pushing countries around the world to recognize that. So some laws have been passed, and some laws are, are still incomplete. We are also seeing an increase among law enforcement in the ability to identify victims of trafficking. And I, I share with governments when I travel that once you get better at identifying victims, your numbers are going to go up before they go down. The number of trafficking cases a country will find will increase. It's not enough to say, we've passed a law, we've solved the problem, there are no more trafficking victims. That is not an accurate statement. Once you understand, law enforcement understands the ability to recognize trafficking victims, then a number of prosecutions around the world should increase. Once law enforcement recognizes these victims, there is then a need to provide services to victims, to make them whole again, to reintegrate them into society. So a lot of the grants that my office manages and a lot of the efforts we are encouraging on behalf of, of foreign governments now is to provide services and shelters for victims. One key component of that is to allow um, victims to remain in a country and work while the case is pending. If victims cannot stay there, a prosecutor loses their best evidence, and those cases will not be successful. We are also still concerned globally with um, corruption and complicity of government officials. If government officials are involved in human trafficking, then human trafficking victims will not report that crime because they will fear retaliation or fear they will not be believed or listened to. So those are just a few of the global trends we are still engaging on, um, both from the tip office and with our embassies around the world. And how much of the, the focus on this um, is being generated in countries because of their own citizens' awareness of this, uh, this scourge, if you will, and how much of it is because of countries like ours but others also that are leading efforts to, to end it? I think you need both uh, those pressure points. And one of the three P areas that we look at is protection and prevention. And prevention is really informing citizens what is going on in that country so that they can be aware of the dangers of human trafficking. One of the reasons, for example, the Philippines was raised to Tier 1, I believe, last year, was that they are informing their citizens who are going to work abroad what trafficking indicators are and what to do if you find yourself in a trafficking situation. So governments are informing their citizens, but everyday citizens are also becoming involved. I meet with NGOs when I travel, and, and, and you met with the tip heroes at the rollout of our report. People around the world are really focused and galvanized around this issue and are making a difference, whether it's through faith-based groups, through academia. We had a judge here from Morocco who was instrumental in that country's laws. So really, it's a whole-of-society effort to combat trafficking. And what role is the End Modern Slavery Initiative uh, going to play in our continued efforts in this regard? 
So the program to end modern slavery that has been, the $25 million that has been provided to the State Department will go to addressing uh, prevalence areas. So the report focuses on what governments are doing, but even governments who are taking substantial efforts or significant efforts may still face a large number of trafficking uh, situations in their country, a large number of criminal actors and a large number of victims. And so we hope that the program to end modern slavery will look at that prevalence number and also share best practices about what is working um, internationally. Uh, do a good job of keeping statistics of what the size and scope of the problem is and what solutions can help to eradicate that. Senator Cardin. Well, thank, thank both witnesses. Uh, Secretary Sullivan, in discussion that we had with the chairman, I just really want to underscore our appreciation for the amount of time Secretary Tillerson and yourself spent on this report and how you assured us that the decisions were made based upon the facts and only the facts. And we, we appreciate that very much. And that leadership coming from the secretary and from yourself is, is very important. I want to uh, drill down on the reorganization within the State Department and the impact it could have on the trafficking in persons, uh, uh, information received in making the reports as well as the final reports itself. There has been reports that the Consulate Affairs Office is being considered for termination within the State Department, transferred functions to the Department of Homeland Security, and that the Bureau of Population, Refugee, and Migration is being eliminated, and some of its functions would be transferred to the Department of Homeland Security. Both of those actions, I think, would very much damage the Department of State's core function missions, as well as compromising our ability to get the information we need to deal with the trafficking in persons report. Refugees, we know, are very vulnerable to trafficking. Can you just give me, or uh, the committee, a status as to those discussions and uh, hopefully alleviate some of our concerns that this capacity within the State Department is in jeopardy? Thank you, Senator Cardin. My apologies. Thank you, Senator Cardin. Um, well, first, thank you for your uh, your statement about uh, the Secretary's leadership on the TIP report. Uh, my presence here is only because the Secretary is in uh, the Gulf, Persian Gulf uh, today as we speak to address uh, an urgent matter. Otherwise, he himself would, would be here. Uh, he's committed to uh, ensuring that the work of this office, the work of, of Ambassador Coppage's office, and the production of this TIP report uh, is not politicized, uh, is not influenced by factors outside of the statutory uh, standards that are applicable uh, and apply to the facts as we, uh, as we find them. Uh, we're committed to maintaining uh, the, uh, the integrity of this office and this report in whatever the outcome is in the redesign of the, uh, the State Department that the Secretary has, uh, has undertaken. We are studying, uh, as, as we discussed this morning, we are now beginning the process of, uh, of studying the redesign of the State Department. There is a steering committee that has been convened, comprised uh, primarily of senior and junior career officials, foreign service officers, uh, civil service uh, employees from AID and state, uh, and working groups established under that, uh, that uh, steering group, uh, steering committee, uh, to study questions such as the function of uh, consular affairs and PRM, 
uh, I can commit to you today on behalf of the Secretary and the Department that the outcome of that review has not been predetermined. Uh, we appreciate the importance, uh, and the Secretary has said this, the role that consular affairs and PRM play not only in, tr in combating trafficking in persons, but in the mission of the Department, consular officers abroad, they're the face of the United States for foreign citizens who are looking to come to this country. So I will commit to you that this office, Susan's office, will be uh, protected in any review because of its importance and the integrity of the report itself that was produced every year will also be protected. Thank you. I appreciate that. I, I uh, strongly urge that these functions remain within the State Department. Uh, Ms. Coppage, let me... Uh, go into, um, as I said earlier, I'm very uh, uh, complimentary of the manner in which these judgments were made on tier ratings, but I need to concentrate on Malaysia because I have a hard time understanding the upgrade for Malaysia. A little bit of history here. In 2015, Malaysia was taken from tier three to tier two watch. I don't think there was a member of this committee after the hearings that was convinced that that was made on the merits that it clearly looked like it was a political decision made so that it could be eligible for the TPP negotiations. That's what it, there was virtually no justification for the upgrade. Now in 2017, you're upgrading uh, Malaysia, the country that got a pass in 2015 uh, to tier two rather than tier two watch. We know that the Rohingya population is still very vulnerable in Malaysia. We know that there's been no explanations as to the tragedies that occurred in the discovery of the mass graves. We know the police officers were released uh, that were suspected. We know the number of victims that have been identified pale in comparison to the, the grand numbers. We know there's been increased numbers of, of, of criminal act, uh, of prosecutional activities but there doesn't seem to be a fundamental shift. And if this committee's observations were correct, that they were upgraded when they shouldn't have been upgraded to a tier two watch, why were they rewarded again? Thank you, Senator Cardin. I'll, I will engage in a little bit of history as well. I believe after that two 2015 hearing that the Deputy Secretary came over and briefed members in a closed door session. And I know that um, then Secretary Kerry in 2016 said that there were no political considerations that went into the 2016 report. You're exactly right, but no one believed them. And then today you've had the affirmation from Deputy Secretary Sullivan and Secretary Tillerson that no political considerations went into the report this year. And you cited all of the areas from the report that the U.S. government says Malaysia still needs to work on. Tier 2, uh, as, a, as a ranking, means you are not meeting the minimum standards, but that you are making significant efforts as a country. And all of those uh, factors you cited are areas that we still encourage the Malaysian government to work on. However, there are um, numbers that show that they did make significant efforts this year. They quadrupled the number of trafficking investigations from 158 to 581, and the number of convictions increased from 7 to 35. Now, that number is still low, as you noted, given the scope of the problem, but that is a significant increase from seven and one that this year's report recognized with the, with the Tier 2 ranking. They also strengthened law enforcement efforts around trafficking, and we talk about this with foreign governments because it's so important um, to 
look at the factors and indicators of trafficking. Sometimes when a country is, is getting up to speed on its trafficking law and educating law enforcement, they need to find other ways to crack down on the crime. And what Malaysia did was enforce a law prohibiting passport retention. Migrant workers to Malaysia were having their passports held. That is a clear indicator that there could be trafficking, a clear indicator that someone may not be free to move. And one of the top recommendations of the report in years past is to look at this law. They convicted 17 employers for unauthorized retention of passports compared to zero the previous year. They also identified a record number of victims, more than 1,100. Again, they're starting to do these things and make these significant efforts. Do they still have progress that needs to be made? Yes. Will we still be watching very closely what happens to their prosecution and conviction numbers? Yes. And we will certainly continue to emphasize that victims need to be allowed to move freely and work in that country while prosecutions are pending. Well, I thank you for that explanation. I, I don't question the manner in which the decision was made. I question the final judgment. Um, and I can assure you that uh, I know that you'll be moving on, but we're going to be watching this country very, very closely and see whether these trends are real and whether they're having an impact on the ground on the tragic trafficking that takes place in that country. Thank you. Senator Young. Well, I want to thank the Ambassador and, and Secretary for uh, your hard work on this important issue of, of traffic, trafficking. Um, Mr. Sullivan, I, on May 9th in your nomination hearing, you were kind enough to indulge a, a number of, of different requests uh, that I made of you, and uh, you immediately followed up proactively with a letter. Uh, thank you for your responsiveness and thoughtfulness in that letter. You've taken action steps, and uh, I, I'm grateful for all of that. The first issue I raised with you in that uh, May 9th hearing pertained to uh, the General Accountability Office. I think that this is an underutilized institution of our federal government. I mean, they really provide some critical feedback and uh, programmatic issues, uh, organizational issues, and so forth. And uh, I commend, for example, uh, the Department of State for, for taking their recommendation uh, to improve the clarity and usefulness of this year's TIP report. Um, so that's, that's an example of the sort of thing uh, that where uh, they often add value. And um, I note that as of this morning, GAO's website reports there are 57 publications uh, from GAO with a total of 125 open recommendations for the Department of State, including 28 priority recommendations that haven't been implemented or fully implemented. Now, some of these open recommendations relate to issues uh, like human trafficking, uh, or diplomatic security or security assistance, so really consequential issues. And I want to make sure I'm, I'm very fair and clear here. I'd note that uh, 125 open recommendations is down from the 132 in May. But I would hope that we might continue to make rapid progress uh, towards addressing some of these. I'd also note that the number of priority recommendations has increased since we uh, last visited, uh, from 22 to 28. So can you just provide me, Mr. Secretary, with an update on your efforts to ensure uh, state fully and appropriately responds to GAO's recommendations? Uh, yes, thank you. Thank you, Senator Young. Uh, the, uh, the statistics you cite uh, are, uh, are important uh, and troubling. Uh, the fact that there are as many open items as there are, and that's reflected in 
recent statistics from the GAO from June. I think we had a letter from June, on June 5th from the, uh, the Comptroller General uh, with 28 priority recommendations. Uh, and uh, uh, to, uh, th that the State Department needs to address. Uh, and you mentioned the recommendation with respect to the TIP report, which is one which we've implemented. Uh, I committed to you at my confirmation hearing, and I recommit today, and I apologize that I haven't been as, uh, as quick in getting back to you on, uh, on the GAO open recommendations as I should have been, but they are a priority for me both the GAO and our Inspector General recommendations, uh, which we also have, uh, have to uh, respond to and, uh, and implement. I, I will say that it is a government-wide issue. I think the same t statistics that the GAO provided show that we probably have a, uh, an above-average uh, uh, response rate uh, compared to the rest of the federal government. But that's still not good enough. Yeah, no, thank you for your good work, for your recommitment to get this done. I'm not gonna benchmark you against the general federal government. That's pretty low standard from my view. So, um, but uh, thank you uh, very much. Um, some positive news. Uh, the second issue I raised in my nomination uh, hearing, you might recall, related to problems many Americans are experiencing. You're, you mouthed it, uh, you verbalized it, adoption, uh, bringing home uh, legally adopted children from Ethiopia. We had some really good news in, in my state. Uh, uh, working uh, with your folks over at the State Department, the Ethiopian ambassador, uh, who deserves a, a shout-out, uh, 122 members uh, uh, sent a letter that I helped lead to the Ethiopian prime minister. So a lot of actors involved here, but we're, we were able to, in our office, welcome home a new Hoosier, uh, Janine, to Indiana last month, uh, the son of John and Rachel Orn of Fishers, Indiana. Thank you to you and, and your professionals. Last thing I want to do is commend you for your leadership, your professionalism, um, not just consulting with Republicans and Democrats, uh, people who've, who, who've held your job and other jobs to help uh, inform you better about uh, your coming uh, work, but um, You've emphasized the importance of the professionals at state, at USAID. We want them to feel respected. We want their work uh, to, uh, we want them to understand that their work is important. I've always operated under the popular assumption that there's kind of three distinct disciplines in the national security um, uh, forum. Uh, we have diplomacy, we have development, we have defense, right? And, and development has its own unique skills, culture, and approaches. You, you, would you agree with that assessment? It's certainly, Senator. Okay. I also presume that whatever reforms we undertake at, at state and USAID uh, will involve maintaining a skilled and experienced development workforce, professional staff uh, who, who understand the art and, and science uh, of development. Is that a correct assumption? Yes, it is. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Senator Menendez. Thank you, uh, Mr. Chairman, for holding the hearing and for your continuing leadership in the question of human trafficking. I, I, I truly appreciate it, and thank you both for, for your service. Uh, Ambassador Coppich, let me ask you simply yes or no. Would you uh, agree that Malaysia has a very significant number of trafficking victims? And uh, also, yes or no, do you believe that the number of trafficking victims in Malaysia is significantly increasing? 
That is hard to determine. Isn't it numerically possible to determine? I believe that human trafficking is a hidden crime, and it's very hard to get accurate data as to whether the problem is increasing or not, or whether we are just getting better, government officials are just getting better at detecting it. NGOs are getting better at assisting victims and reporting that. Well, the TVPA defines countries that should be included on the Tier 2 watch list as countries that otherwise meet the Tier 2 definition. But where one, the absolute number of victims is very significant or significantly increasing, there's a failure to provide evidence of increasing efforts to combat trafficking, and or three, the determination that a country is making significant efforts based on commitments by the country to take future action. And this year's report seems to have ignored that first group, countries where the absolute number of victims is very significant or significantly increasing, and instead made the distinction between Tier 2 and a Tier 2 watch list solely on the second and third categories. So given that you agree that Malaysia has a very significant number of trafficking victims, why did the State Department ignore that part of the legal requirement when determining Malaysia's tier ranking? Senator, I can assure you we did not ignore that part of the um, minimum standards and the tier requirements. Those factors, there are four minimum standards, 12 indicia, and the three factors you just enumerated as in determining the rank of a country between tier two, tier two watch list, and tier three were all considered with respect to Malaysia. Uh, but there's no question that they have a very significant number. So it seems to me that uh, my understanding is that you had to meet all of these elements. Are they weighted? Um, there are many factors that go into it, and factors can point in different directions. So what we do at the State Department is sit down and discuss those facts, fill in any gaps in information we have, um, consult with NGOs and citizens who are invited to share information. I know individuals um, on the Hill share information that they receive as well. And all of these different factors are considered. Again, some may point in different directions. They are weighed, and a final result is made. Well, uh, factors that point in different directions can be an excuse. Let me ask you this. Uh, you uh, testified last year before the committee, and I quote, Malaysia stayed on the Tier 2 watch list because it has a serious human trafficking problem, and it did not make overall increasing efforts. So to me, that statement reflects the correct interpretation of the law and that both the scale of the problem and the efforts of government must be considered when determining Tier 2 watch list status. It seems to me that you abandoned that interpretation for this year's report. Um, I, I'm wondering what, uh, you know, the notion that increased efforts, uh, sub, you know, subjectively defined are enough to remove a country from the watch list seems to be a newly created standard that uh, was not noted in the report in past years. Senator, we don't rely on just one standard, and I can say that we did not abandon the minimum standards in making the evaluation. Uh, we looked at, and, and you missed a, a bit of my conversation with Senator Cardin, the increases um, in the number of trafficking investigations. They quadrupled from 158 to 581. The number of trafficking convictions increased from 7 to 35. That number is still woefully low given the scope of the problem, but they were significant efforts given the efforts in the previous year. We will continue to look at the numbers of prosecutions, investigations, and convictions. Is criminalization and the forced labor requirement to meet the minimum standards of the law? It is certainly something that is looked at to see whether the law is comprehensive in addressing all forms looked of trafficking. It's not a minimum standard of the law? You it interpret is, it as just looking at it? 
No, Senator. If you look at that and a country does not criminalize all forms of forced labor, I submit to you that they would never be a tier one country. Well, Cuba was granted a waiver from an otherwise automatic downgrade to tier three because the government of Cuba has devoted resources to some written plan if implemented. But the law has not changed. They do not criminalize forced labor. And that is something that we continue to raise with the government of Cuba and something that is addressed in but their written I, plan. But how do they deserve a waiver? The waiver looks at the written plan to make sure that that plan would Do we comply. have access to that written plan? The written plan is submitted by governments to the State Department, and we believe it would be chilling to share that plan submitted by a foreign government. <laughs> so it would be chilling to share a plan that is the basis of a, a statutorily mandated report and for which uh, we could not make a judgment without knowing whether that plan is significant enough to give a country like Cuba, or for that fact, any other country similarly situated, a waiver. That's ridiculous. That is beyond, beyond the whole notion that in order not to freeze the deliberative process internally within the State Department as it relates to these rankings, that, in fact, we shouldn't have access to a report that a government gets a waiver on. I was chairman, I, this is why reform of uh, the existing legislation is so important. If I may, one, one last question, uh, uh, Ambassador Sullivan, I mean, Secretary Sullivan. Uh, I re Reuters report on June 23rd claims that Secretary Tillerson overruled his staff assessments on the use of child soldiers in Iraq and Myanmar and removed them from the Child uh, Soldiers Prevention Act. It goes on to say that he also rejected a staff proposal to add Afghanistan to that list. Uh, and I'd ask consent that the Reuters article be entered into the record, Mr. Chairman. Is that account accurate? Well, uh, Senator, the Secretary uh, took the facts that were presented to him uh, through the TIP report uh, process, through uh, the, uh, the process that generated the uh, recommendations to him, applied the legal standard in his judgment to the facts that were, uh, were presented and reached his determination with respect to those Three cases. So the uh, and I'm happy to to discuss each of those three: Burma, Afghanistan, and uh, and Iraq. But it was his judgment, uh, his judgment of applying the legal standards to the facts that led to uh, to the. Well, I'd be very interested in understanding why he rejected the advice of uh, State Department experts. Uh, Mr. Chairman, may I? Uh, Go ahead. Uh, just two points on that. Um, we are uh, the secretary uh, for each of these determinations. It makes his own independent judgment. I'd be happy to brief you on on this issue as well as on the issue you raised previously with Ambassador Coppage on Cuba, uh, with respect to uh, our determinations with respect to Cuba, the facts there, as well going forward on our engagement with Cuba, both law enforcement and migration issues and with respect to trafficking in persons, and provide you with information, if not the plan that Susan described, sufficient information so that you understand what our position is with respect to Cuba. Well, I won't belabor it because the chairman has been, uh, even though there's no other members present, but the chairman has been very gracious with the time. I'll just simply say, first of all, I'd like an answer for the record in writing, and I'd be happy to take your briefing as well. But let me just say, this answer that we can't even see a report that has nothing to do with the deliberations uh, to determine whether a country should get a waiver or not, that, that is beyond the scope. That is, from my perspective, it's beyond the scope and not acceptable. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Yes, sir. Senator Cardin. Uh, 
I am troubled, uh, Secretary Sullivan, with your answer there. Uh, the Child Soldier Prevention Act requires the identification of those governments that armed forces or government-supported armed forces that recruit and use child soldiers. The 2017 report lists Burma and Afghanistan as countries that use and recruit child soldiers by government forces. It seems that that's a direct contradiction if it's listed in the TIP report but removed from the Child Soldiers Prevention Act. Uh, Senator Cardin, uh, uh, with respect to Burma, for example, uh, the Burmese government has uh, undertaken in response to prodding from the United States and others significant efforts uh, to uh, prevent the recruitment of, of uh, child soldiers and in having anyone who was uh, recruited as a child to serve uh, as a soldier to be, uh, be released from that service. So we had 112 cases in 2016 of child soldiers in Burma who were released from their service because they had been recruited as children. Uh, and that was uh, among the factual bases that uh, the Secretary relied on in making his determination. But is, is it correct, was the TIP report correct to say that Burma still recruits and uses child soldiers? We have concerns about uh, the recruitment of child soldiers in Burma and will be continue to be monitoring that extremely closely uh, but factually, the Secretary made the determination that with respect to the, this particular reporting period, given the results that we have, that uh, through Ambassador Coppage's efforts, among others, to get the Burmese government to uh, remove those individuals who had been recruited as child soldiers, 112, uh, from that service, that uh, factually that that determination was, uh, was mandated. What I, what I don't understand, I understand you're saying they're making progress, my understanding of the Child Soldier Prevention Act is that if they do recruit and use child soldiers, they're listed. So I, it seems to me there's an inconsistency with the findings in the TIP report and the determination on the Child Soldiers Prevention Act. The, uh, the, the factual determination on whether there were, in fact, child soldiers who were recruited during, uh, during that time period as opposed to prior instances of the government of Burma recruiting child soldiers, uh, the secretary's, the factual basis for the secretary's determination was that in fact, the Burmese government was releasing child soldiers from service. We still have concerns about, uh, about that practice, about the Burmese government commitment to end that practice and maintain that practice, but that was the factual basis for, uh, for the determination. I, I don't have, I should have the report in front of me, but at least the summary I have shows that the 2017 report indicates that Burma still uses and recruits child soldiers. Am I wrong? Is that? So with respect to the report, the report always looks back at a five-year snapshot to, to capture what's been going on in a country. And there's also a difference in definition between um, trafficking laws and the Child Soldier Prevention Act. There are some age differences in those two I laws. That. My question is, during the reporting period, did Burma use and recruit child soldiers? With respect to um, individuals under the age of 18, there have been reports in the past five years that, ch that child soldiers were recruited and used. It seems to me that this is a mixed message. Uh, I think Congress very clearly with the Child Soldiers Prevention Act 
wanted the United States to be very clear. It's not a matter of making improvements. It's a matter of whether they do it or don't do it. And it seems to me that the TIP report says, yes, they still do this. And the delisting indicates an inconsistency with our commitment against child soldiers. Any, do you want to follow up on any of these? Are we good? Absolutely. Go ahead. Thank you, Chairman. I have one other question that I didn't get to, but let me ask you this. Uh, Ambassador, how many rankings could not be decided between you and other senior State Department officials and therefore had to be elevated to the Secretary? So as, as you know, Senator, we sit down at the working level and, and reach consensus recommendations in the majority of cases. This year, five were elevated. And in those instances, was there ever an occasion where factors not related to the government's efforts to combat trafficking came up in the discussion of a country's ranking? Not that I'm aware of, not, not in the discussions that I participated in. I would like to, to back up a bit, too. And if, I, if I may, because of my time, <laughs> I, I don't want to. Uh, let, let me... Uh, in those instances, did you consider any actions that took place outside the reporting period? No. Uh, Mr. Secretary, one last question to you. In the context of those that were elevated to the secretary, uh, was there any occasion where factors not related to the government's efforts to combat trafficking come up in the discussion about a country's ranking? None. None whatsoever? None whatsoever. So, for example, in China's case, it was purely what they did as it relates to uh, the lack of their standards meeting under the Trafficking in Persons Act. Exactly. The, the, the Secretary applied the statutory uh, standards to the facts. Okay. Thank you, sir. I appreciate the kind of questions that have been asked, and I, I, I really do, and I think that uh, highlighting the importance of this to all of us, but also the pre-meetings that we have with many of the people that you referred to, uh, Ambassador, that put this report together and in charge of regions uh, points to the fact that we care deeply about this issue. I do think that um, this year's report was vastly, vastly different than what we experienced in 2015, but I still appreciate the fact that people want to probe and understand why decisions are made about child soldiers and or other issues. So I hope you can see the importance to us, and we, we see firsthand as we travel around the world the effect of us paying attention to this. So, so thank you for being here. Let me just, is there something else that we could be doing, that our nation can be doing um, to, uh, to really um, stamp out, help stamp out, move towards stamping out what is occurring that is not being done today? Well, certainly this co committee's dedication to the issue has, has raised its profile and shown that it's not simply one branch of the U.S. government that cares. The executive branch cares, the legislative branch cares, and raises these issues. I think that has been very important on the global stage um, in contributing to U.S. leadership on this issue. It, it's a, 
a, such a challenging area to work in, but having um, the support and even the probing questions, as you noted at this hearing, I was able when I traveled to Malaysia, which was the first country I went to after the TIP report was released last year, I was able to say, you need to watch this hearing and see how concerned our elected officials are about trafficking in this country. So certainly um, having kind of a, a double-fisted approach to the problem has been, has been incre incredibly helpful. And I appreciate the collaboration that we have had. May I add one point, Mr. Chairman, uh, not directly related to the TIP report, but just on human rights generally. Um, I want to note uh, with sadness and regret that Lu Xiaobao, uh, Chinese uh, Nobel laureate, has passed away. Uh, both the secretary and I and our ambassador have raised his case previously with the Chinese government. And it's an example of our commitment to human rights uh, it's, uh, it's regrettable uh, what happened to, uh, to this person, a Nobel laureate, uh, but it's, uh, again, an example of our commitment to human rights and our commitment to you and to this committee that we will take those issues very seriously. When Secretary Tillerson was having his uh, confirmation hearings, I, I know there had been some concerns about focusing on human rights and our leadership in that regard. Um, I will have to say, uh, and I, th I think the committee has had a degree of effect on that, but I think his own experiences um, as he's traveled the world and seen the importance of U.S. leadership in this regard and the effect that it has on other countries has caused him to, to really step up in that regard. And I just hope as a result of this meeting, but the many encounters that, that we've had, and I know Susan has had, but people throughout the State Department to us, uh, holding up uh, the ideals of human rights, um, of ending trafficking, um, is something that is part of an American ideal and something that we want to see championed in every way. We thank you for being here. The uh, record, you want to? There's uh, Senator Keynes here. I think he wants a question. Okay. Uh, Mr. Secretary, thank you for raising that case. That information came to us during this hearing, a tragic loss of a great human rights figure in China. And I appreciate you mentioning it at this hearing and that the attention that we gave this to the Chinese. Senator Kane. Thank you, Mr. Chair, and thank you to the witnesses. And I apologize for being late, and I hope I don't ask a question that's already been covered. Um, the administration is uh, reportedly considering a new position, ambassador-at-large for human rights, that would focus on refugees and humanitarian aid issues in, order to, in addition to combating trafficking. I think this may be a potential consolidation. What effect would it have on the TIP process if, um, Ms. Coppage, your position were effectively eliminated or subsumed under a broader position overseeing the State Department's role in humanitarian aid and, and refugees in addition to trafficking? Senator, thank you. And certainly the State Department and this administration are committed to combating trafficking. Um, Secretary Tillerson spoke to that at the rollout two weeks ago of the report. Uh, the administration, the White House has had listening sessions on, about human trafficking. So I know this is a priority for this administration. And it will continue to be uh, as the reorg is examined. There have been no, as I understand, there have been no firm decisions made about a reorganization. But there are people in our embassies around the world and in my office who will keep this issue on the front burner. And, um, and if I could, Mr. Sullivan, could you respond to that as well? What, what is the current status of thoughts about reorg in this area? Uh, 
they're, they're uh, only in the thought process, Senator. We have no decision has been reached on this issue except the decision that, that Susan has noted that the Secretary's commitment, the administration's commitment, as noted by uh, the presence of the senior advisor, Ivanka Trump, senior advisor to the President, uh, who was with the Secretary when the TIP report was rolled out, this administration's commitment to this problem, trafficking in persons, and the integrity of the process that produces this report is uh, as sound as it possibly could be and will be preserved and protected however our, uh, the redesign goes forward. Thank you for that. Um, in January 2016, at the President's Interagency Task Force, DNI Clapper reported that the National Intelligence Council intends to issue, for the first time, a national intelligence estimate on human trafficking this summer. That was reported in January. Do you know what the status of that effort is? Is that still underway to do an NIE report on human trafficking sometime this year? I, I, I don't, Senator. I de defer to Ambassador Coppage, but we will, if we don't have the answer, we will uh, get back to you promptly with that. Ambassador Coppage, do you know the answer to that question? I don't know the answer. We'll have to get back to you. Okay, and I, I will submit it specifically uh, in writing and would appreciate uh, your response to that. Um, I, I almost always try to ask Western Hemisphere questions, and so let me jump to that hemisphere. The, the budget request for the administration in Central America is significantly reduced, a 30% proposed cut to the region. We're grappling with budget questions. Costa Rica, uh, uh, St. Lucia, St. Vincent, Trinidad, Tobago were upgraded to join Mexico, El Salvador, Honduras, and Panama as Tier 2 in 2017. Guatemala and Nicaragua were dropped from Tier 2 and joined Cuba, Antigua, uh, Barbuda, Bolivia as Tier 2 watchlist countries. So there's clearly a lot of action in the Americas on this issue now. How, how do you think that cut, if, um, if it's carried out in the budget, would affect the ability of the countries in that region or our ability to help them combat uh, trafficking in persons? Um, so certainly with, tra with trafficking being a, a priority, I'm hoping that the budget cuts will stay away from what the administration has acknowledged as a, as a priority. Um, we also just recently entered into a child protection compact with the government of Peru, whereby, whereby we will focus um, approximately $5 million over three to four years with NGOs there addressing the problem of child trafficking um, in Peru. So we are still very engaged. We obviously have international program funds going to um, Central and South America, and it's an area where we believe we will still continue to be um, an important uh, player and still put our energies and focus on that area. And I know this is kind of a hard question to answer, answer generally, but as you're looking at Latin America generally, I mean, do you think the arc's going the right way, the wrong way, kind of staying the same, or is it spotty depending on the country? So I think around the world, um, law enforcement and governments are getting better at identifying trafficking, um, recognizing it for the crime that it is instead of a smuggling crime mm -hmm. or an immigration crime or a prostitution crime. They're getting better at identifying the crime as trafficking. And so the numbers for trafficking cases are going up. I don't think that's because the problem is getting worse. I think it's because we're getting better at naming it and identifying it. So it's very hard to say which way it is going. The report, though, documents government efforts to combat this crime, and I believe government efforts are on the positive side of that arc, that they are increasing. Any additional comments to that, Mr. Sullivan, on Latin America? Uh, no, I, I, I think uh, the ambassador summed it up very well. Thank All right, you. thank you. Mr. Chair, I don't have other questions, and I appreciate the witnesses for your commitment and for your testimony. Thank you. I think we're about ready to, to wrap up.
Thank you, and I'm sorry we've got multiple things happening right now, none more important than this. Um, we will uh, keep the record open until the close of business Monday. Uh, we thank you for your testimony, for coming back for this and staying through the reports. Uh, great production. We look forward to continuing to work with you on this issue and the department and all the outstanding people that Ambassador Coppedge referred to. Um, we look forward to a continuing relationship with you in other ways, we hope. And uh, with that, uh, uh, the meeting is adjourned. Thank you.